0: Hello and welcome to Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm Smoke Master General, Mr. Trey Dedman, and I am joined by a man who will meet you any time you want at a Cuban sandwich restaurant, Mr. Shane Reeves.
1: That's right. And I'll provide it it's within my jurisdiction. If not, right. I have to get a special pass. You know, I don't want to step on one of the other Cuban sandwich czars.
0: How are you on Billy Joel? Um, I couldn't. I couldn't figure, So I woke up with the, with that song in my head this morning. Right, scenes from an Italian restaurant, and I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. I, I've, that song's been in my head all day, and I, it just that was one of those things that occurred to me, and I was like, I, I mean, you like Jimmy Buffett, so you like that kind of
1: ballady, lighthearted, but not can, all of Billy Joel's music is lighthearted. So I just wasn't sure how you felt about him. I can take him or leave him. Okay, Uptown Girls, kind of a nursery rhyme set to music, right? And the nursery rhyme, you know, Huey Lewis is famous for the nursery rhyme, set the music. And uh, so I can can tell you, I like who we didn't start the fire, because to me, he's actually showing some musicianship. So I can take him or leave him. All right, fair enough. And he's not on my playlist, I can tell you that. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) But I won't hit skip if he shows up. (laughs) I'm not sure how that would happen, but okay, yeah, anyway. (laughs) But anyway, so we're here and we're ready to smoke some cigars. I'm very excited. He's burning up in here tonight. Are you warm? Uh, Oh, you should have been in here last night. We had 18 people at poker. I had nine people at my table. And, of course, for some reason, everybody over six foot tall... In and 250. Yeah, and past 250 got put at my table. We could have. You packed in there like cordwood. <laughs> we was basically the offensive line for an NFL team. <laughs> and <all. laughs> Next week, I'm going to have to take and lay down the law on some of the poker players of, hey, we need some skinny guys over here because it was hot. I, I, I left here. My head was wet. Was I sweat. Bet. So I Yeah, it is a little warm in here tonight. And all. But it's it's that time of year. You cannot predict no. the heating and cooling this time of year. You know, if you live in Tennessee, you start out in the morning with the heat on. By 10 o'clock, you put the air conditioner on. By 7 o'clock, you turn the heat back on. Oh, it's, yeah, it's been
0: wild. And and today was, you know, sit out on the porch with the cigar weather. I mean, it was perfect oh, yeah. sitting outside weather.
1: Yeah, tomorrow's supposed to rain all day, and then it started getting cold for the official opening of deer season. Oh, okay. And our gun season opens, I'm... I would have the one I love with me and take Matilda with me down to Wayne County and be ready opening morning. All right. Well, hope you find something good. I I plan to. But anyway, let's talk about our cigars. So I'm going to smoke the Blackbird Cuckoo. I smoked a Blackbird a couple of weeks ago, was not impressed, but Austin swears by them. They are mid-pack for me. Yeah, and this one, this one interests me. You know, the wrapper is Brazilian, the binder's Indonesian, and the filler's Dominican. Okay, that could be interesting. So it's got a lot of variants in it, and it could be the. You know, I'm hoping to find that next. I'm always looking for that next cigar. It's going to knock my socks off, right? And if you don't step out of your comfort zone, you're never going to find that cigar.
0: Speak. I, no, I totally get that. That's kind of how I ended up on the cigar. I did tonight. Well, that's what I'm going to smoke.
1: Where are you going to smoke?
0: So I'm going back to Crownheads for the first time in a long time. So I, you know, anybody who says marketing doesn't work on them has, is lying. Because I walk into the humidor and I see a box of cigars that looks like Eddie Van Halen's broken mirror guitar. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to pick it up. It's the Siri E, it's, which stands for eruption, the basically just 14 minute ego stroke of a, of a guitar solo. It is Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper over Jalapa Nicaraguan binder and fillers from three Nicaraguan regions, Jalapa, Ometepe, and Pueblo Nuevo.
1: Well, you know, probably should be a way to smoke more cigars that we would normally pass by. Do you mean like having a podcast that forces us to get out of our comfort zone? Yeah, something like that, because, you know, like Crownhead stuff, I'm... I've been just—they've—they've they've done me wrong too many times for me to be willing. They're a little high on the price range yeah, to this take was it. Yeah, fourteen. Yeah, when you roll the dice, you really like to roll the dice on a little less cost.
0: Luckily, in this case, um, I was. My wife gave me a call this morning when she was on her way to work because. These past couple of months have not been the easiest for us and we both, you know, we trade off days where one of us is taking on the stress load of of for both of us. Sure. And I've been shouldering a bit more of that load lately. And so on on our way to work she called me and she was like, "You know what? Tonight on the podcast, the cigar's on me. Like go a little bit above the, get something that like really nice. Right? I don't know if I got something really nice, but I definitely stepped outside of my price range cuz I would not have bought this cigar just regularly.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's always nice when somebody else is footing the bill. It's a little easier to get to get adventurous. And the um Crown Heads has got to make something good eventually. So it could be that cigar, but now their packaging is excellent. Yeah. And the design of the cigar, good-looking cigar, very caramely to start. Interesting, interesting start. This Kuko has a really good start. It's got a little peppery, a little more pepper than what I'm used to in a cigar, but I think that's the end Indo- of—Indonesian tobacco tends to have more of that spice. I think so. And also, I think that's the Indonesian tobacco. So it'll be interesting as it warms up how it start, how it turns out to be. So you 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 found this article. You put it in there. I'm going to let you start off. Lead us off. All right. It's not often that we get to talk about a brand new cigar company. We talk about
0: new releases a lot and, and the occasional new company, but this one really, I don't know, it just, it, it spoke to my, uh, it, it, it grabbed my interest. It's called apostate cigars. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the term, An apostate is somebody who denounces their religion, essentially, or walks away from the church. Now, for those of us who grew up in the Protestant denominations, it's not a word, it's probably not a word you've heard before. It's not something that comes up often. Um, But it is a big deal in the Mormon faith. And it just so happens that the two gentlemen who started this company, uh, Brandon of Ovison, and Kendrick Wustenheim, uh are formerly of the Mormon Church, based out of Salt Lake City. And, they, and tobacco in the Mormon Church is strictly verboten. And so this is kind of a nod to that. And I just really appreciated the, the cleverness and the kind of thumbing your nose of the establishment of that. Um, and I also like that they're coming out with three lines to start. The first is called the the initiatory, which is a nod to the Nouveau Sunstone, a, a signature feature of the temple uh, built in Illinois in the 1840s. They, they have uh, You can't really call this a barber pole. Uh, it's called the Deseret, and it's got two wrappers... But they're not in concentric circles like a barber pole it's actually striated um, and that gets its name from a scriptural term for a honeybee and then finally the liahona is to resemble the needle of a compass and so which comes from the compass of divine order so I love that they're they're paying homage to the heritage and the and the background but doing it in a way that's very tongue in cheek, very satirical. I I would I get the impression that I would
1: like to smoke a cigar with these guys. It is possible to be religious and not necessarily like the church. Right. To be spiritual. You know, I have this argument a lot with people and all because they you know I, I do have faith and I do enjoy my faith tremendously. But I'm not at the church every time the door's open. Right. That's not who I am. That's not how I'm built and all. And, the you know, my, my pastor will actually compare it. He'll say, you know, the church is the bride of Christ. So you're saying you like Christ, but you don't like his wife. It's like saying you like your buddy, but you don't like his wife. Well, I got plenty of buddies I don't like their wives. Yeah, aside from your wife, most of my buddies don't like me, and your wife is 50-50. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what day it is, <laughs> but I, I like to think Noel sort of likes me. So it's a but some days I'm, it, it's it's a risk. Well, I only like you some days, yeah, so it works so, out. Yeah, and that's okay. <laughs> I don't I don't have to have that, but I do like their they're kind of getting away. The name is getting away from the church, but still honoring a lot of the principles. Yeah, and I think you can. I think
0: I'm a big fan of irreverent behavior. I think, I think a certain level of irreverence is healthy, but I, feel, I, I believe that you can be
1: irreverent and still be respectful, and that's what I feel like this is. Yeah, I think, I think that can work both ways, but it is nice. I mean, New Cigar Line, they blended them their with the um, guidance of Jose Jochi Blanco, at uh, Tobacco La Sierra Palma, along with Jose Manuel Blanco. And Blanco blends a good cigar. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Different Blanco. Is this a different Blanco? The same Blanco. Blanco cigars? uh uh-uh. I thought Jose Manuel was Blanco. Is it Jose Blanco? I don't know. We'll I have don't... to look it up. And uh, we'll have to look it up and see. But anyway, I, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. And all uh, because I do think that the Blancos are good cigars. And these recipes, you know, the, the Desiree. Is it Desiree? Or Deseret. Uh, Deseret. Deseret is Mexican San Andreas wrapper, Cuban seed Piloto binder, and fillers for the Dominican Republic. That's, that's a pretty good recipe. That's going to be a pretty good cigar. Yeah. I
0: No, I completely agree. And I like that they started with one Vitola for each blend. I think that's a really good way to start.
1: Yeah, I think when you're introducing a new cigar, introduce... In the Vitola it's blended to be. That way people can decide whether they like it or not. And then you can always expand out. You know, with the McKel FA they did a great job of that. Right. They started out with just one size and now they have the Gordo and they have the the Robusto and they've they've expanded out, but everybody kinda knows whether they like the A or not before they get into all the different sizings. David Blanco is David Blanco is is cigars.
0: Their stuff is made in the Placentia factory.
1: Oh, okay. So, yeah, but, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can kind of see this being good. It'll be, I wonder how they will get them into shops. Yeah, they as
0: of right now, they have not launched their marketing model. I would imagine a, s- a small upstart like this, but from people with experience in the industry will probably go the broker route. And as long as in this area they don't choose one of the particular brokers that is fairly powerful, I think they'll do well
1: you know and the 1250 a stick right around that range $12 a stick about par for the market what you're going right. to pay for a good cigar so they're not you know the worst thing is when a boutique comes out and their cigars are 15 16 bucks right yeah that's a death
0: nail it, you're not going to get people to taste your stuff if you're starting that high
1: right you've got to start it at a, at a level everybody can reach and if in a couple of years you work it up after you get a following that's not a problem right But I think they're starting it out right. Their logo's very fancy. It is. And I'm sure their wrappers look good. Their presentation looks good. They're not doing boxes. They're doing packs of 12. Although
0: I've heard from a lot of folks lately that they're having issues. I mean, even established brands having issues getting a hold of boxes right now. So a lot of established brands even right now are telling retailers, like, if you still have the old box... We'll just send you a bundle, you put it in the box you have.
1: Yeah, yeah, hold the hold the old box, don't throw it away. Right. And also, yeah, I really like it. So from Fox thirteen in Tampa Bay, they're on your side. Bartow's historic cigar factory can't be saved city disguise, decides. So in Barstow, Florida Bartow, I don't know why I keep wanting to call it Barstow. Bartow, Florida. There's a cigar factory that's been standing for 100 years, and they finally decided, okay, we've got to tear it down. There's really no, no way to save it. It's on the historical register, and I always have mixed feelings when these things happen. But if you can't... That surprises me, because I know how you
0: feel on historic buildings most of the time, is if you want to save it, buy it yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there's a large element to that. And it's probably due to the fact this is a cigar factory. But if you look at the picture, you can tell it's pretty well done. Yeah, I was
0: pulling up the video that's attached to the article as well. And it's, it's in rough shape. And I feel that's one of those things where it does, the lines get a little blurred. I'm all for UNESCO historic sites and buildings on historic registers to be preserved and things like that. But what happens when you've got a registered building that no one... Is willing to put in the time or money to upkeep it. Like what happened, and that this is a perfect example of that. The roof is falling apart. The structure itself looks like it's you know a strong wind away from falling down. What does the historic uh, protection really do at this
1: point? Well, and by the time you went through the trouble to restore it, how much of the original building would be left besides the name?
0: Right, because you know based on its age that the it's all lead paint. There's probably a bunch of asbestos still in there. So it, there's no way it's even remotely feasible to put in. I mean, no one's going to have the money to restore it anyway.
1: Yeah, and like so by the time they do restore you know, if you bought a classic Porsche and all you had was the frame and you put a new engine in it, you put a new body on it, you put new seats, you put new... Everything in it is it still that Porsche, right? right. <laughs> you well, know
0: what, what's left over—the steering wheel and the floor mats. Well, yeah. that's does not a Porsche make.
1: Yeah, so I can I can see it's time to let it go. I think it's okay sometimes to just let it go, yeah. and I think this is one of those cases. And
0: normally we don't agree on that, but
1: uh, we do this time. That's interesting. So from News Graphic, Georgetown, Kentucky, and the only reason are I'd, they on your side? Uh, well, they're they're a newspaper. I only do that for for news stations. Oh, okay. <laughs> They might be on your side, but the only reason I bring up this article because every week when I'm doing prep for the show, there's twenty articles on new cigar lounge opening in X, new cigar lounge opening here, new you know, and we hit our fair share of those in the course of a year. We do, Uh, and all but for every one we hit, you can rest assured there's ten I've passed on. Well, and and more to the point, I think of why we're talking about this one
0: is the fact that how many of them are called, you know, uh, Stogies or Smokestack or Enfuego or I mean, any number of generic right. Insert your town name
1: cigar right. So yeah, there, there's so many. There's so few really um, original, nice names for them. So. Public hearing on Leaf & Barrel. Proposal continues. Great name. I think that's a really great name for a a cigar shop. And just to go through the article, they're trying to open a cigar lounge in location, and they're getting kicked back from the neighborhood because the neighborhood says, we don't want a bar in our neighborhood. And the cigar lounge says, yes, we serve alcohol, but a cigar lounge is, you're not going to have a lot of drunks wandering around and dealers selling X on the corner and things like that. I'm
0: curious... So put your realtor hat on, but also keep your healthy cynic- cynical hat on as well. You're going to look funny, but it's worth it.
1: Actually, what? it's a cape. I, oh, have, it's c- a, I have a cynicism cape. a cynicism cape, cape. that I, I could shroud myself in sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Zoning restrictions. Forum against them. Forum. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have to prevent urban sprawl. You've lived in Atlanta. Right. Atlanta is the picture for what happens when urban sprawl goes awry. And so you have to do that. Atlanta is just – that's what makes Atlanta such a nightmare to navigate is their zoning ordinances obviously were never enforced. enforced properly. And you'll have this area that's really rich, and then it'll be right beside this dead area, and it'll be right beside this area, and there nothing's close together. Everything's uh, down Peachtree Street a million miles away. There's just—you have to have enough to prevent urban sprawl. But, I mean, I don't think Atlanta does a worse job of that
0: than other places. I mean, you compare that to Nashville. I mean, we've got our equal share of that. You've, one, of the, one of the richest neighborhoods, um, Belmede, is right next door to Charlotte Park, West Nashville, which up until a couple of years ago was the hood, Yeah, so I mean, it does. I don't know that. it, It it's funny. I'm not usually the one to walk your side of the street, but I if if somebody wants to come into an area and open a business, why does the rest of the town get to say no because I don't like the kind of business that you're opening?
1: Largely due to the fact that it's going to affect their property values and the way they're you know is it going to bring in an element of people they don't want. You know, I wouldn't want them to open up a quick sack on the corner, leading into my neighborhood, and I don't and know. Check local listings for seedy gas station company in your area. Seven Eleven. Yeah. So I wouldn't want them to open a super seedy gas station at the end of my neighborhood. No, I get that.
0: I don't know. It just seems it just so seems so silly to me that these people are, are, are willing to put you know the money into... And I guess maybe it's just the short-sightedness of the people in the neighborhood to not realize that this is more likely to increase property value. If you look at the areas of town that typically have cigar lounges, it's just clearly that they don't understand the business model,
1: right? They just all they're seeing is bar. But if they get the permits, if they, well, I guess that's the whole point. They're
0: trying to get it rezoned, so they yeah, can't get any permits.
1: That's the whole point of it. Is you know, there's certain things you know, you don't want an industrial facility next to your residential neighborhood, and a, a concrete factory is a perfect example. Have you ever heard a concrete plant yeah, being uh-huh. opened up at five in the morning? Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> How would you like to live next to that? Yeah, and there is a certain point where you say, "Well, if you didn't want it on that land, you should have bought the land." But there's a certain point that the you owe the taxpayers a little bit of you have a little I, responsibility uh, to your taxpayers.
0: I guess it. I guess the thing to me is that they're trying to get it rezoned from agricultural to business. I feel like that should be a separate issue. It should either be based on it shouldn't be based on the type of business for the person that that's. that's spearheading the rezoning so do you you either a want to allow a commercial
1: enterprise on this piece of land or not doesn't right. matter
0: what the business is
1: if these guys were prop- were proposing a coffee shop for soccer moms to go pr- drink overpriced lattes right. sitting on a porch swing they'd probably have no trouble yeah. But both the retail businesses both have an equal right to exist. That, that, I guess that's more my point. Yeah, I think that when you come to zoning, you should be able to paint with broad strokes. But I wish these guys luck, because Leaf & Barrel's a great name, and a cigar shop will only increase the value of the name. Now, there's some seedy cigar shops.
0: There, there absolutely are, but I would imagine... but. CD cigar shops tend to go into Existingly CD neighborhoods And the fact that the people in this neighborhood Are fighting back so hard against this Tells me it's a neighborhood full of people who Give a crap Which means it's likely not a seedy neighborhood Therefore likely
1: not to be a seedy shop Yeah, and the, nobody wants to build A seedy shop No, it just kind of happens that way, I think Well, I think a shop erodes I think you, you know You, you get in a situation as good,
0: You're only as good as the company you keep Right. And if you come into a neighborhood that doesn't have great people, you're not going to have a client base of great people, and it's going to go from there.
1: Yeah, and if you, you know, everybody has seen somebody that just got asked not to come back to the cigar shop, and that's a part of the cigar lounge business. There's certain people that don't need to be in a shop, and for whatever reason, they can't follow the rules, they they make themselves a nuisance to everybody there. Every cigar shop has a vibe. Right. You know, there's there's a certain crowd that goes into Reserva. There's a certain crowd that comes into here. There's a certain crowd that goes into the Abbey. Right. And those three crowds are very distinct, different people.
0: In fact, somebody who is a regular here nearly got kicked out of Reserva last night.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, I, I see exactly... How that can work. But that's that's up to the owner. That shouldn't be up to the neighbors. Exactly. Exactly. They, they should meet the owner and say, okay, he's looking to, to run a top quality establishment there. So my first third of the Blackbird is good. I mean, it's it's not knocking my socks off, but there's nothing offensive about it. That pepperness has mellowed out, and it's very smooth. It seems to be coming around. I'm Definitely my favorite Blackbird I've smoked thus far. This is a great—the
0: Siri E is a great fall cigar. I'm getting caramel. I'm getting cinnamon. I'm getting very, very autumnal flavors out of it. And I'm smoking way slower than you are tonight. But I'm actually really enjoying this. It's not—it's funny. It's a Nicaraguan Puro. Well, no, it's not, because it was an Ecuadorian wrapper. But all of the, the meat of the Cigars Nicaraguan, it tastes more Dominican to me. It's really not that pepper or spice forward. I'm not getting dry mouth. I'm not, I, it's, it's coming alive as I get down into it.
1: What factory is it made in? Did you look? Is it the tobacco prob- prob- Probably my father because all of their stuff is made there. Uh, they, they also make a lot of their stuff in the Pichardo factory. So you'd have to look to see which which factory. It is the Pachardo factory. It is the Pichardo. Okay, when you were describing it to me, I thought Pachardo. Yeah. And also, that, that tells you that I'm way too big a cigar nerd. Well, but, I, I get it. But let's step away for a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the premium cigar exemption seems to be coming around naturally. And right. I think that's an awesome thing.
0: Cool. We'll be back with that more after this.
1: Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. It's one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who's never ate a raw turnip, Mr. Trey Edmond. Well, I'm not a deer, so no. Are you kidding, man? I, I pick, Grab a turnip out of the ground, peel it with your pocket knife, eat it like a Ukrainian widow woman.
0: So it's, it's <laughs> I mean, funny you
1: bring this up because I was going to ask this
0: question. We were talking about deer hunting and planting turnips a couple weeks ago in here, and I was going to ask, I know
1: people eat turnip greens. Do people actually eat turnips? Oh, yeah. I've never eaten a turnip cooked or raw. I don't like them cooked. I only like them raw. I like to get a, a smaller turnip, you know, size of a baseball, not a softball. So, I'm imagining
0: a texture somewhat like a potato or an onion. Yeah, kind of a juicy potato. Right-ish.
1: Yeah, kind of in the, in that, but a good turnip raw, you know, and it's funny because it was it's part of my rural upbringing that my granddaddy during the summer when you come to his house, he'd pull you a fresh apple off the tree, and during the fall, he'd jerk a turnip out of the ground.
0: You don't have to say that you learned something from your granddaddy and that you're rural. One of the, one or the other. Both Both the, of-
1: <laughs> yeah, redundancy. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the raw turnip is a pleasure, and I knew that that was probably, we have a, we have a big segment on food coming up. And I knew that was probably something I didn't even need to do. A Do you have tray a wheel tray it,
0: eat it on on the topic <laughs> coming up? Because I feel like there's a lot in there.
1: There's a lot in there. We'll probably have to just kind of skirt through that. Fair enough. At all. So also Denver from Westworld. Hookah premium cigar exemption from proposed Denver flavored tobacco ban. So, so
0: this is one of the rare occasions where cooler heads prevailed. And I love this. You know, Denver... For those of you who don't know or haven't been to Colorado in the last however many years, they're really not big on the tobacco. Uh, their, their smoking ban is one of the most draconian in the country. They are, it's really hard to find a tobacco shop in all of Colorado. So for this to be coming out of Denver was as
1: surprising to me as just what the outcome was to begin with. And it's interesting. This article brings doesn't bring weed into this at all. No, and all, all of the you know the legalizing of recreational drugs in Colorado and everything is not broached in this article at all, which is nice. I like the distinction. Right. I'm because probably one, doing it. One doesn't dictate the other yeah. anyway. I'm probably doing it a disservice by bringing up anyway. But basically, they had a proposal to ban flavored tobacco, and they said, well premium cigars kids ain't smoking premium cigars and people actually listened and said you're right kids aren't smoking premium cigars and hookahs kid you know have you ever tried to operate a hookah yeah i
0: used in college in college my roommate and i both had one and depending on the day of the week one of us would get home before the other we'd set up the hookah and then we would sit and watch stargate sg1 and do homework sitting in the living room smoking the hookah
1: like every day for three years yeah, I've only smoked a hookah once in my life and it was not good enough for the amount of work involved in setting it up.
0: Did you do it at like a lounge? Yeah. Okay. That if now again, we're not in college. We're not college age kids anymore, so there's probably no chance of it happening. But if you go to somebody's house where they have one and they do the then it's a completely different experience.
1: Yeah, where they've kind of – they've got the uh, –
0: Man, I used to be a wizard. Like, we were even developing, um, like, tools to streamline our process. We refined our process over the cor- – like, we would set the, the charcoal on the eye of the stove and heat, heat it up that way rather than using a torch because you'd get a more – even. I mean, we had it down to a science.
1: And I think that's um, – coming back to the article, I think it's a very good distinction – that the premium cigar ban is kind of picking up a groundswell, yeah. A natural, a natural um, progression of we're not we're not trying. Kids are not smoking premium cigars. An article that I, but they are getting rid of vape. That's the big deal. That's really right. what this article is about. Is hey, we're trying to get rid of vape. We're trying
0: to get rid of kids. You know, and one. of the, It was interesting too, and and. I, I honestly wish even if you don't fall into the category of you know premium cigars should be exempted or not or whatever I love the fact that you know there was uh, there was an amendment to exempt menthol cigarettes while there was a different amendment that substituted the current proposal with an entirely new ordinance that would ramp up 21 plus age restrictions and instead so, but they've they basically agreed not they've not agreed to those proposals, saying if either of those were to get enough support, it would erode the value and the purpose of the bill that it would be not be worthwhile at this point. So they're already admitting that if they would just enforce what's already on the books, we wouldn't need this extra legislation.
1: That's what that says to me. Well, now let's go somewhere intellectually here. We haven't talked, Us? yeah, we haven't talked a lot about the difference in 18 and 21 for buying cigars. Not recently. We re- we really haven't never got in depth. That's because both of us are over 21. Right. It didn't it's, really impact us that yeah, much. Yeah, it's really easy for us to brush that off. Do you think the smoking age should be 18 or 21? I think I think it's a logical progression that it
0: became 21. I think it would be smarter to lower the alcohol age to 18 like it used to be, like it is in most of the developed world. It, but it comes from this really weird relationship we have in this country with alcohol, uh, speaking for myself in that as well. Um, I, think, I think 21, smoking age, was a logical pro- progression. What I had the biggest issue with that on is the fact that there was a line in the sand as of today, you got to be 21. It should have been rolled out if you're 18 you're grandfathered in if you're 19 you're grandfathered you know and it should have slowly progressed that way do you remember in when they went from at 16 you get a driver's license in this state to where at 16 you get your intermediate restricted and then you at 17 it's intermediate unrestricted and then at 18 you get your full driver's license it's like that in a lot of states I was I was the in that age group that kind of got caught in the middle of that. So I, I think that's the way you do it.
1: Well, you know, when TWRA instituted that everybody, the battle license had to go through the hunter safety course. Right. They did it smart. They said, hey, if you were born after 1972, you have to get a hunting license. You have to go to the hunter safety course. And it's a good hard line because it didn't say, okay, this man is... Eighty-two years old, and we're not going to give him a hunting license next year unless he goes through the hunter safety course. Right. It, it said, and I think that's a better way to do it rather than setting a age to just set a year. Everybody born after this date can't smoke till they're twenty-one. Right. You know, if you were born after X date, because so, so that you don't have the nineteen-year-old that all of a sudden can't buy cigars that was smoking them when they were eighteen. Exactly. You know, and the argument is always going to be, well, if you can go, if you can join the army, if you can fight in a war, you can, you should be able to have a beer and smoke a cigar. Um, I don't buy into that argument very much. Why not? Because what we knew when we established eighteen as that age, the army, the military contributes greatly to the development of a human being, for some human <clears throat> beings, by and large, for the eighty percent the 80% that go through the military come out in in a better condition than where they went in. It is a sad thought, but yes, okay. And to say that now we understand the development of the human brain better and exposing yourself to alcohol, to tobacco, to marijuana, to whatever, violent trauma, Expo- well, you don't really get a choice whether or not to expose yourself but, to violent but, trauma. But, that's, but, but if, if you join the military, I just, I that's exactly what you are signing up trauma for. Trauma bar tonight? <laughs> no, but I'm just saying
0: if you're joining the military at 18. It, it, in fact, uh, my brother-in-law actually did his his doctoral dissertation on uh, on long-term effects of trauma, and and seemingly unrelated health effects, specifically irritable bowel syndrome, and how you can actually predict the, the likelihood of, of irritable bowel syndrome in adults based on traumatic events in their childhood. So we know that things that a soldier is going to experience at 18 is going to hardwire their brain just like cigars, weed, alcohol will.
1: Yes, But the net gain from being in the military versus the net gain from smoking cigars is two totally different ballgames. They are, and and I realize we're kind of talking about two separate things. But I just and 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 that's my bigger point is people always seem to cross two issues that aren't necessarily related. They try to they get on a philosophical high horse there, and I think as technology increases, we all have to do with that.
0: Well, and I have a hard, I really have a hard time you know with with the idea of giving people preferential or detrimental uh, treatment based on their occupation i think that's i think that's silly personally there are people in all professions who deserve recognition and there are pretty crap people in all professions as well and i think just because you choose this line of work versus that one doesn't make you better or worse than somebody in a different line of work
1: well, it's a philosophical discussion that you and I will have to have after the podcast right. about, you know, the, because I don't think under any condition that legal drinking age should be reduced to 18. I don't think there's any condition where that should ever happen. I think it should be 21, if not 25. But I'm just, I'm not an alcohol guy. Right. And all. alcohol to me is a very small place. There's not really a place in my life for alcohol.
0: You're the person who's never smoked a cigar, writing cigar legislation when it comes to alcohol. Sure,
1: yeah, yeah. It can be. It can be like that. So a similar article that we're just going to hit briefly, uh, just and mainly because I just want to drive home that the premium cigar exemption is gaining this groundswell movement um, from the Argus Courier. Petaluma officials ban sale of vaping products and amend the tobacco ordinance. So these people went at it a different way. No more vaping products, and we're going to raise the price of cigars. And here's the thing. You're talking out of both sides of your mouth here. Right. If you're saying, yes, kids ain't smoking cigars, then raising the price of cigars does nothing to stop kids from smoking cigars. Exactly. So... I think this smacks of compromise. Probably not the greatest compromise in the world, but I think the it's still worth mentioning. Anything that gets rid of vaping, anything that 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 takes vaping down, I'm in favor of. Even if I have to pay a couple more bucks for my cigar, I don't know. I don't believe.
0: I think. I think creating a distinction between cigars, in particular premium cigars, and vaping is a good thing. I'm just, I'm not a big fan of prohibition in general, even though I think vaping is stupid and gross and I w- don't ever want to have anything to do with it. I don't necessarily agree with prohibition either. If, if adults want to do it, let
1: them. Yes, but there's a distinction, and we've talked about that distinction before vaping makes nicotine abuse palatable to children.
0: It does, but as long as the people who are in charge of making these products aren't marketing that, then I think you have to look at the channels by which the kids are getting their hands on it, and it's not the, it's not the problem. Just, just like it's not guns, that, guns don't kill people, people kill people, it's, a, it's not the people who make vapes fault that kids want to vape. Sure it is. If not, they wouldn't make Goofy Grape. I know plenty of adults who smoke Groovy Blues. How is that any
1: different? Due to the fact that the Groovy... And I'm all for it. Hey, you can get rid of flavored cigars. wouldn't bother me in the, the least. Except that there are people who like flavored cigars, and I don't think that they should be run out of town on a rail just
0: because they don't like the same type of cigar that we do. I do.
1: I hate to be in a lounge and somebody fire one of those things up and stink up the whole area. Although I was in a
0: shop where someone was smoking a pipe yesterday, and it or a few days ago, and it it has just the same effect. I mean, it's slightly better smelling, but it still overwhelms the palate of the room. So, I mean, where do we stand on that? You know, it's just – it's one it, – it's it's a pick-your-poison thing. Speaking well, of which, you want to talk about food? Yeah, let's talk about the food
1: instead of, jumping, instead of jumping that. So Thanksgiving's coming up. Okay. Thanksgiving is my favorite day of the year. Bar none. Love Thanksgiving. I love Halloween. I love Christmas. But Thanksgiving Day, if I had to pick one day a year that was my favorite day, it's Thanksgiving Day.
0: I have always been a big Thanksgiving fan. I've always really enjoyed Thanksgiving. The past few years, I really haven't gotten to enjoy it the way I would have liked I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that next year our lives slow down a little bit and I'm able to get back to that. What, I, what I'm really looking forward to is the day when I can host people at my house. I know everyone who's done it says don't, it's the most stressful thing in the world, but for as much as I love to cook and entertain
1: people, I, I can't wait for that. Well, my Thanksgiving day, I get up, I start, you know, I get up usually by five o'clock in the morning, my turkey's on the smoker. Right. Because I, I like the early Thanksgiving meal. To so me, the Thanksgiving meal should be executed at one or two. I don't like the evening Thanksgiving meal. I agree. I want the early Thanksgiving meal, one or two o'clock. Um, that way, I, my turkey has plenty of time to be ready. I'm fixing my deviled eggs, my hash brown casserole, all of my different features. I'm fixing as I get ready for Thanksgiving the parades on TV, then the dog show comes on. You have all of that. You have you watch the parade, you watch the dog show, you go out, you have your dinner, you smoke a cigar. I'm not a football guy, so right. it's not or a professional football. I'm more of a college football guy than I've probably ever been before. But so this article from Slive or salive Sleeve? How do you pronounce that? S I Live, S I Live. The most popular Thanksgiving side dishes in every state. And this is pretty interesting because a lot of these side dishes I wouldn't have picked out as as being, you know, there has never been the Alaska favorite side dish on my Thanksgiving table.
0: No, um, I'm not eating stuffed mushrooms. Here's, I've got a, Kansas and Texas. What's wrong with you? Cream corn? Really? Not, first of all, corn is a summer food. And I get it. If you cream it, you get a little bit more life out of it. But creamed corn is a summer food. That is not a Thanksgiving food, much less the most
1: popular side dish in your state for Thanksgiving. I give them a pass. I give them a pass because corn, to me, corn was at the first Thanksgiving in all likelihood. I, I can give them a pass on tradition. And I, I, can, I, can, I can get
0: behind well, that. I'll give Kansas a pass because that's the only thing they have going for them is corn and sunflowers.
1: Sure. So, but Texas... Come on. You're better than that. Well, and some of the... I will say this is an article that I think is probably one man's opinion as much as anything. Uh, they did it based on Google searches. Right.
0: So, so it's... So, I mean, and that's why, like... So Tennessee is hash brown casserole. At any of the Thanksgivings I've ever been to, that hasn't been a thing. So I'm wondering if this is kind of a self-selecting group of people that have to look
1: this stuff up. Well... Yeah, but who has to look up mashed taters? Ah. <laughs> no, I mean, mashed potatoes being the most popular side they have on the list. Well, it's Utah, so. Well, so is so is it Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Hawaii. Oh, so it is. It is. You're, no, it, you get up oh. New York and Connecticut, that's sweet potatoes. They just use the same color. So, mashed potatoes being the most popular, and I'll, um, I've never seen I always have hash brown casserole at my Thanksgiving. See, I don't. And and primarily I have hash brown casserole because I've never went to the trouble to learn how to make cornbread dressing. Oh, okay. We can can fix that. Do you put celery in it? I do,
0: but I cook the – no, but I hate – so here's the thing. When I make cornbread dressing – The reason I like to make it is because I can either, A, leave the celery out, or B, cook it down so it's not crunchy and gross.
1: I need to not taste the celery. See, you don't in mine. Yeah, I need to not be smacking along in my dressing and get a big crunchy piece of celery. Yeah, see, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. But with mine, you don't get that. I also filed a formal protest against my sister the year she put carrots in the chicken and dumplings.
0: We've talked about that on the show, as a
1: matter of fact. I'm actually on your sister's side on that one. What's wrong with Delaware? Cauliflower mashed potatoes? That's got to be a mistake. I I cannot think that if I randomly went to 10 Thanksgivings in Delaware, eight of them would have cauliflower mashed potatoes. Yeah. I I think it would be less than three. I would much more expect that out of Oregon or, or Washington State. Um Another in so Tennessee, obviously, where we live, hash brown casserole, and we're the only one with hash brown casserole. Kentucky did Kentucky have hash brown casserole? Yep, oh, they did. Um, green beans that's there, okay. Charcuterie tray, who was that? Minnesota and Missouri, both charcuterie trays. Yeah, that's that's bizarre. Charcuterie tray is, is what you bring to a gathering you don't really want to be at. <laughs> Or it's something you serve at a gathering where, you're more,
0: where you care more about what your guests think of you than you do whether or not anybody has a good time.
1: Now, I can understand a little charcuterie tray if you want to have hors d'oeuvres. Right. As, as a hors d'oeuvre, not as a side dish, for sure. Um, I was surprised dressing did not appear on here near as often as I thought it would. I was
0: just about to say, I was about to bring that up. I don't see it at all. Where is it? It's Stuffing in Pennsylvania.
1: Louisiana, yeah. cornbread dressing. Oh, there it is. Okay, The way dressing should be made. If you eat yeah. white bread dressing, you're, you're wrong. You're dead to me. Yeah, yeah. you're wrong. And uh, my, my mother-in-law, bless her soul, I loved her to death, but she made white bread dressing and served it with gravy out of a can. Oof. So speaking <sighs> of gravy, turkey gravy is for Montana. I don't really consider that. A, that's a side for a side. Yeah, turkey gravy. I mean, it's not like you get a big, you know, bowl of turkey gravy and sip it like chicken <laughs> noodle soup. You kind of put your turkey gravy over your potatoes, over your dressing. See, uh, Arkansas, white gravy. I don't think of white gravy. I only think of turkey
0: gravy with Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, white gravy's bis- biscuits for that's breakfast. breakfast yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely not there. And uh, Now, there are a lot of sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes yep. everywhere. Um, glazed carrots I'll allow. Yeah. I'll even, in South Carolina collard greens. I don't care for them, but I'll allow it. Yeah, in Georgia too. Yeah, I'll I'll allow it. Um, rolls rolls means you're not really trying. Yeah, <laughs> mac and cheese uh, for Virginia. I'm I'm for that. I'm all for that. Yeah, so I'm really in favor of that. So, what's your signature dish? What's the thing when they say, "Hey, you're coming to Thanksgiving, and we want you to bring the"? So it's
0: it's funny because I will always offer dressing because I'm picky about, I, first of all, I know my dressing is good, but I'm also very picky about the celery and other things. But when I go to like my grandmother's house on my mom's side, that's a Thanksgiving tradition that has been established since long before I was even alive. It's bounced around different houses as people have passed on, but So there's really not a whole lot of – there's very rarely an opening, if that makes sense. But dressing would be the thing that I would bang the drum about.
1: So if you've got a big family like I do and you do the big family gathering, I always have the sleeper. I make fruit tea. I'll make two gallons of fruit tea and bring – and that's always a big hit because your fruit tea, very easy – you make your sweet tea. You add your pineapple juice. I don't put orange juice in it. I don't like the acidity. 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 Pineapple juice is more acidic than orange juice. Not when you put it in fruit tea. At <laughs> all. I can tell you, <laughs> it may not taste as acidic. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of a cheat because it's something real easy that you can just put together. But looks like you made the effort. Yeah, and, and everybody gets a glass. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's kind of a good sleeper to have the fruit tea. Um, and always have a dessert, a good dessert that you can bring. You know, my family will establish who's going to bring the main dishes and who's going to bring the sides. And then dessert's kind of a free-for-all. Make your favorite dessert. Right.
0: Yeah, my grandmother makes fudge. And she's been doing that for me since I was a kid because that was always my favorite. And she still to this day does it. That's probably my favorite Thanksgiving dessert because I only get it at Thanksgiving and Christmas because that's when she makes it.
1: Yeah, um, Thanksgiving dessert, I love a buttermilk pie. Yeah. My sister-in-law makes an amazing butter and l- it, buttermilk pie. It's either pumpkin pie or, or,
0: I mean, if it's not the fudge, if it, we're talking traditional, uh, it's apple pie or pumpkin pie for me. Uh, pecan. I don't like pecan pie. It's too
1: sweet. You don't like pecan pie? Well, I guess I can see the Cairo syrup. I can it's, see that. It's sugar
0: it? pie with a couple of nuts thrown on top. Um, I'm,
1: well, but do you like pralines? If I'm in the mood, maybe. See, to me, pumpkin pie, or not pumpkin pie, pecan pie, you've got to like pralines. Yeah, I will, I will give you that because that's essentially a praline pie. Yeah. And all the chest pies good? the buttermilk pie is better because the buttermilk pie is just a little less sweet but still the same kind of concept and so generally generally my thanksgiving table is turkey ham chicken and dumplings mashed potatoes um macaroni and cheese you know pretty traditional i don't get outright the only thing we do that's a little outside of tradition is my sister-in-law always makes artichoke dip and we sit there, and that's the. the but you hors gotta have an order yeah. I get yeah. that.
0: Yeah, we're we're fairly traditional too. I, I, I have gotten really good at at roasting a turkey. Mm-hmm. I've done it a couple of times over the course of last year because I don't think turkey needs to be reserved just for the two big holidays. Turkey, you should you should eat year round. It's so much better than
1: chicken. Okay, so turkey <laughs> carving technique.
0: Yeah, I saw that you put that in the
1: notes. I was curious where you were going with this. Well, my turkey carving technique, I always take, I start by breaking both legs off. Yep. Because I enjoy the leg far more than the breast. Okay. So I always start out by getting my knife and getting the legs broke off where they can be easily picked up and carried away. And then slice the breast. Too many times I've bellied up to a Thanksgiving turkey and had to commence to a sumo wrestling match between me and a 22-pound bird to get a leg off of it.
0: Yeah, so I, uh, from a technique perspective, the, the proper way to do it is to dismantle the dark meat first. And if you're going to carve—I mean, the thighs are usually big enough you want to carve those up or at least, you know, separate the meat from the bones. I, turkey leg, leave it intact— you're very rarely going to have more than two people that want leg meat from a turkey at, at Thanksgiving anyway. Everyone goes for the breast meat. That's the best thing about Groundhog Day, four drumsticks.
1: That's right. So we, um, yeah, but I, I prefer the white meat. See, white meat turkey is always dry to me. I don't, no matter how well I cook it, I, I just, it's just the nature of white meat turkey. See, the
0: last couple of turkeys that I've made, I've been super impressed with myself. At how well I was able to, to, to keep the, the breast meat moist.
1: And chicken and dumplings, That's I think that's definitely a southern thing. I, I bet you... I would never have even... Th- I've lived in the south my whole life. I, I don't consider that a Thanksgiving food. Oh, yeah. Chicken and dumplings. Because the beautiful thing about chicken and dumplings is you can just put it in the crock pot and it just gets better the longer it sits there. When you make your chicken and dumplings up and you get them all put together, you put it in the crock pot, you just put it on the warm setting, and just the longer it sits there, the better it gets. And, all, and chicken and dumplings, one of the better leftovers? Well, yeah. And all, my turkey leftovers are usually good. My chicken and dumpling leftovers, big ham sandwich, I'm all for that. See, see turkey and dumplings,
0: I, I actually like better than chicken and dumplings. Chicken and dumplings is one of my favorite foods of all time, but using using the leftover turkey and especially if the breast meat's a little bit drier than you would have preferred right so, throw it in some broth with some dumplings and you're and you're back in business
1: do you use chicken broth or turkey broth I Use chicken broth well then don't it take on the chicken flavor more than the turkey because turkey's such a mild flavor no more mild than chicken I, I think it's stronger flavor than chicken and
0: also i use the drippings from the turkey and I, I usually separate that off and put it in the freezer and come back to it. You know how your grandmother always kept a mason jar of bacon grease by the stove? That's mm-hmm. kind of how I do the, the turkey drippings and the, and the gelatin will last for a couple of days. So you use that
1: to seed your, your, chicken and your turkey dumplings. I and can it, understand that. So what is the after-dinner cigar, being as this is a cigar cast? Oh, yeah. Were we talking about cigars? <laughs> what is the after-dinner cigar of choice?
0: I, Because of the nature of, of things, I rarely get a Thanksgiving cigar. But I'm going to say something, I think an ADN in Africa... Definitely something mild. You don't want
1: something flavorful, but you don't want that heavy. You don't want the full body, right? You want something. You want something light. You know, um, it's a good time for a fuente. Mm -hmm. It's an excellent time for one of the lighter avos. Yeah, not a. You don't want a heritage, but one of the lighter. Yeah, one of the lighter avos. It's a good time for one of those. Um, Like you said, Africa is always a good time for that. So all of those things tend to work out. Now, here's the big question: Do you eat dessert right after the meal, or do you wait? It depends for me. Uh, when
0: I'm when I'm having Thanksgiving at my dad's house, I wait because he is a significantly le- he and my stepmom both to give them both the credit they deserve are better cooks than my mom's side of the family and when i eat thanksgiving at my dad's house i hurt myself sure i i literally will go back for thirds because i it's that good at that point yeah i've got to wait
1: i generally i think a couple of hours you know generally i'll have my thanksgiving meal and usually my wife and her sister will kind of go on a walk with the dog and i'll sit on the back porch with the guys and we'll have a cigar and then we'll come, We'll all come back together in an hour or so and go after the... See, it's it's funny, though, because I'm really particular about sweets. Because I can't eat
0: sweets on an empty stomach. And it comes back from, you know, before, back when I used to drink, I didn't really eat sweets at all. Because I was so heavy on the bitter side of things, you know, drinking a lot of beer, that that kind of... Even though they're very different flavors, bitter and sweet, they they hit the same part of my satisfied part of my brain when it comes to food and flavor that I would never so kind of bringing that around if I get too far past being full I don't want all that sugar on a somewhat empty stomach so it's a, it's a fun, I'm I'm kind of more the 20 30 minute window
1: yeah I usually I usually talk about an hour enough time to really calm it down now the dry thanksgiving as opposed to the drinking thanksgiving I've never, we've never drank at Thanksgiving, my family, my, you know, of course we're not drinkers, big drinkers anyway, um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, but as far as a bottle of wine or, you know, scotch or anything, I'm just not a drinker after Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. I, most, most of my family is, um, you know, it was never, it was never a big deal like with you know, with Christmas I think is more of a wine holiday. I think it's more common, it's a bigger deal for most folks. Thanksgiving, yeah, it doesn't really get that reputation even though for most of the country it's the same food. Right.
1: Very but this everybody enjoy your Thanksgiving. Really take some time and enjoy being with everybody. You know, my Thanksgiving has evolved when I was a child. We always went to my grandmother's and all my uncles were there and their families and everything. We had a big Thanksgiving meal um, as time's going on and grandparents have passed away. And we tend to all get together at Christmas now rather than Thanksgiving because they're, they're the great travesty in life is they're only 30 days apart right, <laughs> between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But um, I tend to lean more toward... Um, uh, now I have I host it at my house, and I like to invite people. You know, we've got a gentleman here at the cigar shop that don't have a lot of family and all, don't have anywhere to be on Thanksgiving. He's going to be at my place. Yeah. You know, I have, uh, if I see somebody that I know, especially a cigar guy that I know doesn't really have somewhere to be on Thanksgiving, I'll be sure that they're invited to my home, and anybody's right. welcome at my table. I'm right. always going to cook enough food to feed Genghis and all of his cons. So <laughs> I won't have any trouble with that. But anyway, well let's wrap it up. We got a couple of articles we'll save for next week and just push on down the road a little. All right. Um, really interesting article that we can't miss next week about the man trying to craft trying crafts in 64 cities in Tampa. We're gonna work through that, but we're just out of time. We spent too much time thinking about Thanksgiving. That's all right. Well, since this will
0: be the last one you get before Thanksgiving, I hope everybody enjoys your Thanksgiving. I don't know where I was going with that. I was going to say smoke a cigar and think well of us, but that's your line, and I haven't told him how to get a hold of us yet. I went completely off the rails, and now you're staring at me like I'm just supposed to keep talking. I'm waiting for you to pick ball up. Facebook.com slash the Cigar Cast, Instagram and Twitter at the CigarCast. Info at thecigarcast.com.
1: Whew. I have I haven't but brain farted like that. That looks exactly like when the teleprompter quits working <laughs> on one of these shows. I think your teleprompter quit working in your I brain just... and <laughs> no, all. But wow! Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.